Well, Jason, this was uh, trying to get back into my normal training routine after a couple weeks of travel and a week of just readjusting to being on my time zone. Uh, so it's been pretty good. It's a nice, uh, easy 700 and change TSS week and uh, finished it off uh, this work week-wise as far as training goes. It's a nice tempo run today, about eight, a little over eight and a half miles uh, with three times 10 minutes of progressively faster. So 615 miles, 605 miles, 555 miles for those 10 minutes. So it felt good. Okay. So I got to remember we need to end with Ian so that we feel good about the workouts we did this week and not start with him. Note to self for next week. <laughs> All right. Mitch coming from uh, neck deep in the snow from what it sounds like. Mitch, what's going on over there? Yeah, you know what? I, I continue to work on my consistency in building. And then, uh, you know, the crazy thing that happened this week was, uh, you know, through a discussion in the triathlon room, I almost got not shame, but I actually got motivated to get back in the pool. Um, so I made it to the pool this week and swam. And, nice. and, and note to self is taking six months off from swimming is not a recipe for success. That was the <laughs> hardest, hardest 500 meters I think I've swam in years. Um, well, Mitch, I thought you were going to say you just went to the pool and then you looked at the pool and called it good. Yeah, I, actually, I actually got in. Um, but, uh, you know, probably what's motivating me more is my youngest is, is on a swim team now, and if I'm not careful, she's going to be smoking me in the pool this summer. So Wow. Um, this is the same daughter that is a um, American ninja warrior. Yeah, yeah, she's a little little oh. ninja girl. Yeah, so wow, the one that's who mocks exciting. you during your strength workout. Strength workout. That's the one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't understand why can't she do that? The one, the one who can probably do box, you know, like where you stand on the ground and jump onto a box. She can probably do like multiples of what I could do. Yeah, yeah. That's she's awesome. like you know, she's only fifty inches, so <laughs> she's, she's like Ian size. Ian size. Like pocket, like pocket size, pocket size. All right. Um, Andrea was having some issues earlier, but should be connected here. So, Andrea, what's going on on your side? We'll circle back. Tia, I heard uh, you're in a new place. So, uh, tell us what's happening with, uh, with, with all your uh, tech stuff and uh, workouts. I'm in oh, a new I place. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead, Andrea. Let's hear it. just feels like it hits a flow so I did some running up in the mountains where you're literally going just straight up and starting to get into the snow and straight back straight back down again and it just was awesome I had my little doggy with me and swimming uh -huh. was good um I think putting my video up from a couple of years ago made me even more super conscious of my my positioning in the water and it just felt really good this week and I was hitting faster times I think I was averaging one under 140s for the hundreds so i was really happy with that so yeah it's all going really well and i'm really enjoying the forum yeah 
Absolutely. It's definitely getting um, a good mix of topics and that sort of thing. And you're posting some nice pictures. That means that the weather is changing there, or at least you're getting days where you can get out and do your work, right? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Tay is coming from a, a new location. Um, she can tell us about what's going on with her and um, how, her week, how her week went. So the new location is, is still in my house, <laughs> just a different room. We're having a snow day here, and um, mm -hmm. of course, everybody's home, so it's been a little bit noisy. But I had a great week this week, uh, coming back from a recovery week, feeling really strong, ready to work hard. I had uh, three back-to-back -back workout days, uh, working on climbing, actually, started to, to work on that. So, good. Yeah. Yeah, so super important um, skills, um, even in um, even indoors. I think um, as athletes and as coaches, we're finding ways where we can find um, transferable workouts that we can um, do indoors to be able to make ourselves stronger outdoors. Where again, the layers, um, the ideas of layers to what we do here at the Endurance Lab. So definitely great. It's all evolving. Um, it's it's a really great thing. All right, we're going to jump to this week in the lab. Uh, we're going to go back to Taya here, and she's going to tell us a little bit about the workouts and what a lot of our riders have coming up uh, this weekend. So Taya. So this week we worked on power sprints, which are sprints starting from a um, almost a stopped position and bigger gear. Then we worked on strength steps, three minutes on, um, three times, two sets. So those were low cadence, 60 to 70 RPMs. And then to close out the week, we had the uh, sweet spot letter workout, different than the previous two, regular cadence and um, Actually, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a challenging workout, surprisingly, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, just because we're on the recovery week doesn't mean we don't have challenge. There's not anything challenging. It's just, you know, reduced intensity. So I like how you ended the, came up with that one for the end of the week because people are starting to feel good and it lets you test the sensations out. Right, right. And I think um, this week using for skills, going back to like locating things, and this is the first um, full sprint one that um, people can really kind of wind up um, and open up those legs because we're not really doing this high neuromuscular, you know, very high energy output um, workouts. Uh, it's not something that we're focusing on, something that we you would typically focus on later on, um, let's say in a specialty phase or something like that. I think people are liking to be able to stretch their legs during this uh, during this week, so we've got a lot of good response from that, but we'll, we'll bring that back in the hot topics. All right, Ian, in the multi-sport world, what, what do we have going on? Yeah, so uh, we've had, obviously, the recovery week as well. We've done the, the same bike workouts, but we've added a nice little recovery ladder swim, um, and then two, two easy runs, an aerobic workout, so just a slightly faster pace and a really low heart rate, um, and then one, one short swim that had a lot of speed to it, the 24 by 50 meters or 50 yards, depending on your pool. You know, and it's, uh, again, it's, it's recovery weeks. We're really just keeping it nice and easy. And I think one of the concerns, why, why it hasn't really been voiced, I know it's going through people's heads, is the uh, why are we running so slow? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's just how it is. You know, one of the, one of the problems I've seen with, with runners when we're in, in these recovery weeks, triathletes especially, but runners are, are also pretty bad at it. We don't really understand how slow slow is supposed to be or how slow easy is supposed to be. Um, Miranda Carfrey, she's a, uh, a multi-time world champion. She calls it stupid easy. And if yeah. you're not running to the point where you're going, I'm so slow, then you're probably going too hard for nice easy runs. 
And, and I found working with uh, a number of athletes, working with myself, you know, listening to some of the top tier uh, pros that, you know, you got to get those, those longer, not necessarily long, but those easier runs in for help, help your body adapt for one, but also reduce that beating on the body and it, you know, really help develop that aerobic engine. So that's kind of one of those things. And then on the swimming side of the house, you know, we're really focusing on the next, this week and next week on a good technique. Uh, that's why we're not doing a lot of 400 or 800 meter intervals because um, technique is everything in swimming. You can be the strongest person in the world, have the best aerobic capacity, but if your technique is horrible, you are not going to go anywhere fast. So technique, technique, technique. I know it's boring. I know it's horrible. I know it's like getting waterboarded at times, but we got to do it. Well, that's exciting. So haven't spent much time in the pool, and, uh, and uh, from Mitch's story, it doesn't sound really uh, like a, an endeavor that I'd like to try. But you know what? It might, be a fun, it might be a fun live stream, and you know I love doing things for viewers, so maybe I'll have to do it just for that. Well, wall, ta- wall tag is a, very, is, a, is a fun game, you know. And how, how, how does that go? The tag a wall. You just go down, tag the wall, come back, tag the wall. Go down, tag the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, no, it's good, but uh, unfortunately, if you put the camera underwater, you can't live stream, Jason. Oh, man. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to find some, some way, some way. All right. Okay. So, let's go, let's go um, straight into hot topics in the lab. Um, I am going to mix it up here a little bit. I know um, Andrea hasn't been on um, the last Coach's Corner, but she's got some really interesting topics to um, bring forward. Um, so, Andrea, how are we on connection? Can we uh, go straight towards you today? Yeah, should be good. So I put a post up on the forum to try and nudge people to start having a look at their training peaks after they've done their workouts to have a look at how long they're spending in the various zones and to start having a think about how that relates to fueling. But when we're thinking about fueling, we need to try and keep two main themes in mind and one is that we're fueling which is energy um, because we're trying to make sure that we're giving our bodies what it needs for the session but also further backwards we need to think about are we giving the body all of the construction parts so the micronutrients to help the enzymes functioning to help keep our cardiovascular system working very well the nervous system the lactate clearing system so all of these you know, vegetables and healthy fats and phospholipids, all the other things that I'm always talking about have a really real reason for being in the diet. And and so you'll notice these things. So we had that session that we had with the sprints. If you look back and have a look at your training peaks, you'll notice that we weren't working for very long, but we were working hard and the rest was easy um, or relatively easy. Um, and the system that we were using, and the coaches can jump in, would have been more so about how we can buffer lactate, how we can remove hydrogen ions um, out of the muscle into the circulation, recover and get going again. And this isn't actually as much about fueling as it is about the general consistency of our diet. So getting good minerals in, getting good antioxidants in, having a good cardiovascular system, having a good oxygen system. Um, our breathing and our lungs and the cell membrane. This is why it's really important to eat well as all of the time as best you can. Um, and this session would have been interesting if you follow a low-carb diet because not that you need a huge amount of carbs to fuel it, oh. but mentally you have to be sharp and our body knows what fuel it has in the tank. 
Have you ever tried any of you guys to do a sprint session when you're low on fuel? It's horrible. It's so <laughs> bad. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah, I've I've done kind of um, lower lower fueling and lower carb, and it's just yeah, you just throw it's just thrown in, and you can't you can't. People say like you can, you just lose that top end. You, you just do. So I totally. You just want to go to sleep on the bike. Like you could go yeah. forever in the recovery, but when your body asks, when you're asking your body to sprint, it's like, no, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so even though most of it is creatine phosphate and a little bit of anaerobic glycolysis, um, you still need to have a base of having a little bit of fuel in the system, and and for it to be well recovered from the previous session, or your body just knows it, and then you're wasting your time. Um, so it's an important one, but if you look at the difference with say the three, two, three strength steps, that, that did need some good fueling because you were using quite a lot of carbohydrate as you're fueling. There was quite a lot in the tempo zone for that one. And as well, it was, it was a little bit more taxing on our muscles. So protein as your, your recovery is going to be important so that you can do the repair work and build the strength in response to the sessions that you've just done. Um, so trying to look in on what your TP review is, is saying afterwards to kind of start being a bit more clued in with how to prepare and how to recover from the various sessions. So you need to ask yourself about how long is the session and how intense is the session. And the more intense it is, the greater proportion of carbohydrate that you're using as fuel and the lesser the amount of fat, but also it's the duration of the session. So agreed, a very low, easy zone two recovery may not be using as much carbs, but if you're doing it over a long duration, you're going to start to need to top up because you're depleting. So it's it's looking at that. And I think it would be really good if we start to chat about that a bit on the forum so we can clear up any confusion. I hope I'm getting my ideas across here. <laughs> no, definitely. And, you know, uh, there's a... Uh uh, the performance uh, director for Lotto Jumbo was on uh, Joe Filial's podcast last year or so. And that's one of the things they talked about was uh, was that that he had some riders who were trying to do the low carb thing to to try and you know cut a little bit of weight or because that's what they've been told by some somebody and and he found to to a rider and these are pro level riders they all of them sucked when it came to top end when they were doing low carb yeah, yeah. they'd go for days. As far as just riding and riding and riding at you know zone two, zone three, but the minute you start getting zone four, zone five work, there nothing, nothing. Yeah, I think it just speaks to you know there's a time and place you know like we've talked about several different times whether it being coach's corner or on the forum to do that sort of thing and to have that sort of focus and to be able to to want to try to do both. Let's say drop weight and increase power. It's it's just two opposite ends of the candle, and so it's really important to respect that. Um, and I think right now, um, a lot of our writers are in the absorption phase, meaning they're trying to absorb all this information that we're kind of throwing out there. So I think if we continue with the um, suggestions, you know, the things that we want people to look at, for example, the two different workouts, whether it be, you know, fueling one way or the other, um, even as a coach, it's, it's really difficult to kind of pick out for an athlete kind of what they should be eating and what they should be doing. And even just stepping back to trying to just get them understand what they're consuming and what that does for them. You know what I mean? Because people sometimes just, they feel like it's just that one hour window before that pre-workout and then the rest of the week, the rest of the day is kind of like, you know what I mean, Andrea? Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually the rest of the week that's more important. Every mm -hmm. Making every meal as nutritious as possible and focusing there with getting in more vegetables and more nutrient dense foods and 
Marty Kendall writes really well about this, but also there's so much out there about keto and low carb that sometimes we're losing the point. It's not about being the best low carber. You're not doing a race and all starting at the beginning, a bit like you're a battery test to see who can go the farthest <laughs> on nothing. You know, you're trying to get your best performance ever. So yeah. it's remembering that. <laughs> Hey, look, Andrew, yeah. I encourage all of my opponents to go keto and low carb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely tough. I, you know, I played with it um, a good amount as, you know, the research came through. And all of us have kind of either used that um, at a certain time of uh, the season, um, but making sure that we're fueling for our workouts. So that's the take home here for all of uh, our lab writers is that we need to make sure that we're fueling properly, recovering properly, um, not just from um, the workout right after post-workout, but all throughout the day, making sure that you're focusing those days. Um, so it's just the same way we would plan anything else um, when, when you do your workout, you know, getting prepared to do that, whether it be outdoors or indoors, but also making sure that the fuel that you're putting in, it, it's a conscious um, thought of what we're, what we're doing. And uh, going back to what Andrea was mentioning in terms of looking at your training peaks and understanding the zones that you're working with, if you do not have the Training Peaks premium account, you can look at the workouts and the description of the workouts or even Strava and classify your workouts into, you know, easy slash endurance pace, then the tempo ones, then the sweet spot ones and threshold in VO2. And of course, going from easy all the way to VO2, you can imagine how much you need to have in terms of carbs, for example. So yeah. let's keep this conversation going in the forum. I think it's a good one. Yeah, and if there's and then definitely questions. Um, right now, we're kind of just putting information out there, but um, for you lab writers, if there's any questions, definitely let us know. Great, great topic um, and resources there. Okay, um, we're gonna we're gonna circle back. Um, Taya has um, a little bit of a kind of overall um, view of um, some of the topics about the ideas that we were kind of portray going to try to put through this week in the lab. So, um, Taya, tell us about those workouts and kind of those focuses. So, two of the workouts that we had this week worked on power and strength in the legs. The uh, power sprints, because you're starting, like I said before, from um, higher gear and very slow speed, cadence drills for the 3-3-3 strength workout. So overall, strength drills and muscular activity, but they also can improve the health of your connective uh, tissues, thus enhancing joint stability in your knees, hips, and ankles. So the purpose of low cadence is being able to lay down the big power to have at your disposal. So you have the ability to turn a huge gear when you need to. And examples of when you might need to is a short, steep climb to get on top of your gear when accelerating, or when you're overgeared coming out of a turn, starting from a dead stop, etc. So these intervals are also excellent for gradually improving the resilience uh, of your connective tissue, and they provide an excellent opportunity to focus on your ability to control the lateral movement on your knees, especially when you're at the top of the pedal stroke. The workout can be seen as hill stumps, so you're working on the mechanics of your stroke at a very low RPM, or not very low, we're at 60 to 70, which is actually... Um, um, end of the low and beginning of the, the regular RPM. Mm -hmm. Powerful pedal stroke, which combining with the high cadence work that we also do in the lab, then you have a build a powerful and fluid pedal stroke altogether. 
um, you know, people have knee discomfort. And that might be because you have an knee issue or it might be because you're not used to it. I used to have knee discomfort early on when doing these drills. Over time, um, I have overcome that and I don't have it anymore. Some of the things that you can do to help you, well, of course, you can bring the cadence up, join the workout a little bit to get to a comfort level, but you're still doing a low cadence for your uh, purpose. And I mentioned that in the instruction video. But also there are exercises that help build the muscles in your legs so that it provides knee stability. So squats, leg raises, or lateral bench shuffles, cross-legged lunges. So when you do uh, put your, cross your leg in the back, you know, go the right leg behind the left and do a lunge. So you're working on um, also your, your glutes. We did power sprints that, again, is teaching you to overcome heavy resistance very quickly. And they help wake up muscle fibers that too often we don't train. So it's not, when we talk about practicing sprints, we're not, it's not just for sprinters. Um, and Ian made a comment as well for triathletes in, in, in the forum about that. So Ian, you want to comment on that? Yeah, so, you know, one of the misconceptions of triathlon is that we just can go one speed for hours on end. And, I again, I like when my opponents or my competitors train like that because it's fairly awesome for me. But the, um, the the thing that people have to remember is we're never on uh, a course, or, say never, we're rarely on a course where it's just straight out and back or, you know, a loop that has very, very shallow turns. Um, so you have to pass people. You have to go in and out of turns. So you're constantly changing speed, whether you think you are or not. And if you're passing legally, and I say that isn't if because not everyone does it, but if you're passing legally, you have roughly 30 seconds to get through uh, the, the draft zone of the rider in front of you and in front of them and get past them. Now, when you're passing someone who's significantly slower than you, no, you just ride, hold your same waters and you roll through. But if I'm catching someone in my age group who's just a little bit slower than me, you know, like I'm riding... 22 miles an hour and they're riding 21, you know, 30 seconds is not a lot of time to make up that draft zone. So you have to put in a small surge. Granted, am I going to get out of the saddle and sprint at, at you know, 12 watts a kilo? No, but the, these kind of sprint workouts help you surge and recover because they teach the body to clear those, those efforts. And in the case of, of passing in a triathlon, you're going above what, well above what your target is and then you're going back to your target or just below. So you're having to clear at a harder effort but if you're accustomed to clearing a much harder effort, namely these kind of sprints, your body can handle that. One last comment I'll make here. Um, power, right? So when we build a workout in Training Peaks and that becomes a file that you put in Zwift, Trainer Road, etc., we have to put something in there in terms of percentage of FTP for the interval doesn't allow us to put on a range or to just say it's an open-ended interval, right. go as hard as you can, whatever that means for you. Yeah. Please remember that as you're doing these workouts, especially the sprints. And I typically mention that in the introduction video or the, the video that describes the workout so that uh, you know that you don't need to worry about that star or, or, or that number to, to hit um, in a workout like the, the power sprints, for example. 
Yeah, it definitely speaks to kind of uh, the limitations as we did as we move indoors and try to um, program, I guess uh, would be the word, um, these workouts into something that is looking for numbers of like a zero or a one for us to like either accomplish or not accomplish. So we've had that conversation before. So just making sure that you are um, paying attention to what we are describing in the video um, and the goal of the workout, um, that's going to be really, really important. All right, with that, I'm going to um, slide it back on over to Ian. He's going to take us to the pool and tell us what's going on as far as um, some swim technique and um, everything that's going on in, in the recovery week. Yeah, so, you know, the hot topics we had this week, obviously, we, we talked a lot about uh, work in the pool, um, people posting videos up. Mine will eventually get up if I actually, and I actually remember to put the memory card in it this morning, so I'll <laughs> record it tomorrow. Not like the major fail I had yesterday. But, um, you know, it's a really good thing to have people look at your video. And we have a couple people with, with a pretty significant amount of swim experience in the, in the forum. So we're getting a lot of good feedback. And I, and I think what, what happens for a lot of people who, are, who have um, suffered from adult onset swimming is that um, <laughs> we, we don't grow up with the, a coach just beating into our head how our stroke should be. So we are grown-ups and we try to rationalize things. We try to think. We overthink it. And then we start focusing on small details, like the back of the push, you know, the back of your, the back of your stroke, which is a little push that accounts for maybe 2% of your propulsion. And then we're probably going to focus on our kick because that's what we see people in the master swim class doing because they all grew up swimming and we didn't, but we're going to focus on our kick, which is probably about another 7% of your or 6% of your propulsion. But what we don't do is that hard thing, which is focus on the catch in the front part of the pole. Those were as we're looking through what we're doing in the lab and you're getting your videos up there, I really want people to take a look on that, at that because the vast majority of your propulsion is going to come from that good catch out in front of you. If you can get that good high elbow bend and a good catch out in front of you and then pull that water through and pull your body over that water, you're going to go a lot faster, a lot easier, and you're not going to swim like someone who might be having a heart attack or drowning. And uh, it's going to allow you to get through much easier at a much even at a faster pace. And we all know, for those of us who are swimming, um, the more you flail about, you don't go any faster, and it just becomes a lot harder. And if you can get that good front catch out there, you know that, that's going to be your first step. And then step two is a body position. One of the things I, I notice all the time is uh, people like that they let their hips drop. And my favorite I hear is, oh, I just don't have any body fat and my, uh, my body drops. I sink. I sink like a rock. And I'm like, look, if we want to go into body fat numbers, I'm pretty sure I'm going to win this one. And I'm <laughs> in the water. So, so that's not a real good answer. Um, you know, it, a lot of it is about positioning. And obviously there are some people who maybe they're just more dense, like Wolverine or something like that. But um, this is one thing that people really have to focus on. And where I see most people doing it is during the breathing. And I'm sure Andrew has seen it too during the master swim, swim classes. People tend to lightly lift their head when they breathe instead of rolling it under and getting that breath out the side. And once you do that, your hips pop down a little bit, and then you're in this constant dragging of an anchor, which is your lower half of your body. And if you don't have a good kick, a good form on your kick, you're gonna, you're not gonna really keep your feet up at the surface. So that's the second part we really need to focus on. And, and that's why I say post the video, let us all look at it. We promise not to make fun of anyone except Mitch on the videos. And, <laughs> that's and, why you'll never see one. That's right. <laughs> and we'll get some good constructive uh, feedback for everybody. And, and you know, for those, again, for those of us who didn't grow up swimming, small changes can mean big differences. I know uh, for me, doing a six-week 
swim swim clinic twice a week uh, dropped me from doing you know a 150 or so per hundred. And now I'm I'm in the 130s when I when I'm pushing a little bit, and I've gone you know 125 for 100 meters, which for me is is huge. I mean, I would consider myself Michael Phelps at that point, <laughs> you know, because that's because that's my weak leg is the swim, and I minute I practice it only as much as I have to. Um, and then the second part of talking with the lab, seeing what we've got hot topics, we've got a couple people talking about feeling tired, you know, earlier on in the recovery week. That's normal. That mm-hmm. is very normal. You're going to, you start feeling the lingering effects. I like to call it going through the stages of, of fatigue. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the stages of grief. You know, you have the acceptance, <laughs> denial, things like that. Wow, um, I like that. Because, you know, you get to a point where you're tired and then you push through tired to exhausted. Then you push through exhausted into just like steady state zombie mode. And as you start to recover, you have to go back up through those stages to get back to normal. Mm-hmm. And, Recovery week usually will take you back up, but somewhere around usually Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday of recovery week is when you just feel the worst. And that's actually when your body is just about to snap back. So that's why like Saturdays are good, good days to throw in a little bit of hard, hard snappy workouts in there. And once you get it back going, you know, you, you, you'll be fine. It's just, you got to work through that to, and, and the two other parts of that are making sure you're getting enough rest. And, and coping with regular stress from your life and work. One, one thing I did have also found in recovery week is people tend to do, oh, I don't have to train hard tomorrow. I'm going to stay up till 11. I'm going to yeah. have to do a long run tomorrow. I can go out and party. Sure. But um, if you have to work, you still have to get up at the normal time. So don't change your sleep habits just because you're on a recovery week. Try and get that. And I would argue it's more important to even get better rest and better recovery because that's when your body is really trying to bring itself back to 100% to hit the next week hard. And that stress from life and work, I mean, a lot of us who, don't, who, who use our training to mitigate our stress levels, we just have to find a way to balance that out a little bit because on a recovery week, you're not going to be burning off that, that anger and rage uh, that you might encounter day to day in your regular work life. So just try and, try and find another method. Maybe it's meditating. Maybe it's watching videos of cats on YouTube. Nice. Whatever it is that's going to make you laugh and feel happy, that's what you got to do during a recovery week, similar to a taper week. And it's definitely yeah. not going for a, a two-hour hike. Yeah. <laughs> it is not going for a two-hour hike. It is not going right. for two hours of snowshoeing and cross-country skiing. Yeah. Um, things like probably not going to Disney World. I would say that's probably like in a high TSS week. Yeah. On the heels of talking about TSS and um, in other parts of our um, life, as you look at our metrics that we record, um, whether it be in Strava or Training Peaks, a lot of times a question can come up, and it did in the lab this week, about monitoring TSS outside of the bicycle, um, outside of cycling, or any of the three um, kind of uh, things that we're looking at, whether it be swimming, running, and um, biking. So people were asking about monitoring TSS um, for snow skiing and different things like that. And I think it's a good conversation to have, and it's a a big variable, in fact, of how we coach um, our athletes. Um, But I think it's a fun exercise just to understand how those workouts or how um, those activities would compare to the type of stress that you would put if you were on the bike. But I don't think, and I think the coaches would agree here, that it would be a part of the equation of uh, actual fatigue or fitness that you're gaining, more so something aside as an exercise that would allow riders or athletes to understand 
um, kind of how that stress can affect. And a lot of times of the week, we don't measure that amount, whether it be from work, like Ian mentioned, or cross country, things like um, hiking, or cross training, things like hiking, or, uh, or walking, even sometimes just walking through a theme park, how much stress that puts on. Um, but definitely something that we can look just as an exercise to kind of understand. Have, have any of the coaches um, looked into stress outside of uh, the, three re the three disciplines that we uh, record? And how have you found athletes uh, to find that? Oh, I measure everything. Yeah, I've done TSS while mowing the lawn. Oh, really? How, how, does, how, does, that, how does that compare, Mitch? <laughs> I mean, it's essentially walking, right? I mean, it's, you know, you can do it by heart rate. You could do it by distance. I mean, you can get into tracking all these things. I mean, I, I'd almost say that, um, you know, more holistically, if you're going snow skiing, it's supposed to be fun. Um, put down yeah. the training computer. Go yeah. and enjoy yourself and just know that, yeah, you know, you're doing a little bit of work, but you're doing it because you enjoy it and it's supposed to be something that breaks up your, you know, your life or your training and, and just go out there and forget about the metrics and have fun. Um, I think we all I would, get it. I would argue, Mitch, on downhill skiing, <laughs> yes. You're cross -country skiing. If you're cross-country skiing, yeah, I mean, yeah, measure it because that actually would be really compelling, um, but I'm not sure how, you know, you if you're going to, I mean... You're probably at that point doing a heart rate, um, and that's a phenomenal workout. I think we all know that. Um, you know, Example. I think it's. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say is is you know you can get into measuring all these things. And I think it's just more more interesting to compare the metrics and see. But I mean, it's not gonna cross over and really um, for mowing the lawn or downhill skiing. It's not gonna impact your training. Well, not on the riding lawnmower, Mitch. Well, that's, <laughs> that's when you're drinking the beer while you mow the lawn, so. <laughs> so. So it can be that, but it can also be feel. Perfect example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll go in a hot room for an hour and a half, and I, I get out of there completely spent. And the movements themselves aren't hard. The overall being in that environment takes a lot out of you. And so even though that might not, and I tried to, to wear a heart rate monitor once, in class, it didn't work. I mean, the sweating is so insane. The heart rate monitor was sliding down. It's just, it just didn't work. But in a situation like that, then um, you just know how you feel afterwards and, and, um, and go by that. I think that's interesting, Thea. We have people that listen to their bodies by feel, and then there's others that really just can't get out of their headspace. And off week can be challenging or a less intense week um, for the, the thinkers and the ones who constantly like to be doing stuff. So maybe to throw a different spin on it, um, tracking heart rate variability could be good. And if you set the challenge of this week, I'm finding out about what my body is doing on a rest week to collect data so that you're learning more about your body. Maybe they'll be able to let go and take the time out and relax and not fill the time off with more doing that isn't actually rest. Might I work. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's good because I have two athletes that on a, on a rest week or like a complete rest week after a, lot, a big event, my job is to keep them not or keep them from killing people and going insane. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. My, my ultra runner who just did 100 miles um, decided that she couldn't handle a complete rest week, so she did a half marathon the next weekend. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's just a training yeah. run, isn't it, at that point? Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. 
All right, all right. So we're going to um, quickly try to uh, transition over. We're going to send this over to Mitch, and he's going to be talking about just getting your mojo back kind of on that same couple weeks, getting, getting, um, coming back to uh, the workouts that you're doing and kind of uh, from some time off to getting back on the bike and then doing what we need to do. So, Mitch, bring us back. Yeah, so thank you so much, Jason. So, I mean, I've noticed this. I've been doing endurance training sports for about 10, 11 years now, and, and periodically I, I get in these funks. Um, it's almost like I was just sitting here thinking while we were having this dialogue. It's almost like your your training is depressed in some way. And, uh, you know, whether it's because you were sick or you had an injury or you've been doing a lot of travel, um, I've even noticed that sometimes after, like, a really great race where I just – can't get motivated to work out and I can't get on the bike or I'm just like in a, in a real funk is the, is the best way to describe it. My wife notices this, you know, we, we've talked about this before. Um, so I've kind of done a little bit of reading and trying to think about, cause you know, I was sick for a couple of weeks and I kind of got in that funk again and, and I'm trying to get right, you know, to get the ship righted again. So really the first thing that I try to do is I, I try to figure out, you know, what's wrong. Is it just like overall stress in my life? Was it the great performance in a race? Um, am, I, am I not sleeping well? So really first thing you do is try to figure out, is there like some root cause that I can fix? Um, other things that I've done is, um, you know, I've, put away the Garmin like for running or I've ignored the power meter and I've just gone out and just tried to start finding the joy or or the fun in actually doing the event right forget about what my TSS is forget about if I'm hitting my power target just go and enjoy yourself um, in some ways that you can actually get to do that is is get back into the group if you've been you know doing group rides or you're running with a, a group of guys or, or women that you're friends with get back into that group. Um, sometimes I find that just like actually having the commitment, you know, telling a friend, hey, we're going to go for a run on Saturday. It gets you out that door, right? Because you're committed to do it. You know, sign up for a, a group ride on Zwift. Um, make sure that your friends that you would ride with know and, and it'll make sure that you get there. Um, along those same lines, and we talked about this before, is is forget about the training and racing. Um, just get back into the enjoyment of the act itself. But then this is sort of counterintuitive, and I found this is always what really gets me over it. And, like, right now, I don't have anything really scheduled, but it's figuring out what's that next race or, or what's your plan for the next few months from an event perspective and get them on the calendar and start getting excited about the upcoming event, checking out the website, reading race reports, talking to your friends or other racers about it. And that really gives you the motivation to start training again and actually getting into that plan of uh, of workouts and improving yourself and working towards that goal. And then I found this online and actually I, I, I think this is really interesting is remember the phrases get to and got to, right? We're all privileged that we get to run or we get to ride. We're doing this for fun. We're doing it for the enjoyment of the actual act and, you know, act of improving ourselves, the joy of competition. So really focus on the get to and try to get away from the got to, right? The got to's got a kind of a negative connotation. So let's focus on the positive, which is we get to do this and it's a lot of fun and we get a ton of enjoyment out of it. Jason, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Can I make some comments on that? Because I found that that was really, really interesting. When I have a race coming up that might be my main race, for some reason, I'll always book another race before I've done it. So that... Hmm. I think psychologically I'm giving myself something that's just there ahead. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I, even though it, it's just kind of there, so I know there's something next that I'm working towards, but I'll always take a rest after each race because I think people don't credit the amount of mental fatigue that has been expended in the months coming up to a race where all of the scheduling and planning and pushing yourself to go out on those days that maybe you felt a little bit tired to get all the green boxes on your training peaks. I think the mental investment is massive. So you're, there is going to be a, a, a period of a little bit of tiredness where your brain is just going, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I just no, need definitely. nothing. <laughs> um, and as well, the comment about uh, doing it for fun. I always get people to remember what's their why. Why are you doing this? you know, for you specifically, like, yes, we all want to go out and smash a great race, but there's often deeper meanings. We've such an intimate journey with our training and what we're learning about ourselves that it's important to, to keep remembering the, the why so that there's a bigger context on everything. I don't know if that resonates with anyone. Well, I, I think it's phenomenal. I think that's really great. Absolutely. So really good points there. Using those as springboards to um, as motivation, using those um, mental tricks that we have as far as reaching out and deeper into yourself to figure out kind of what drives you and making sure yourself you're giving yourself gratitude for the things that you're doing and that your ability to enjoy those things that you're doing. And it's not a job. It's something that we've chosen to do and that we are rewarding ourselves with the fitness and the ability to do um, what we like. So some really, really great points there. All right, we're going to jump over to Lab Rat of the Week. Um, and I'm going to throw this to Taya. She has some experience with this um, writer, but I'm just going to kind of introduce her story for us, and we can kind of um, tell her story for the lab and what she's con contributed to the forum as well. So, Taya, you got that for us? Yes, so uh, Lindsay is our Lab Rat of the Week. And Lindsay, this is uh, her second lab. She did the uh, December lab as well. And she made uh, some comments. She's been contributing to the forum quite a bit with her experiences and um, how she has progressed from the lab to this lab. And so her story is that she has been cycling for about four years and consistently training structured workouts other than some trainer road workouts uh, a couple of years ago when she first got her indoor trainer. Hmm. She is saying that with the labs, she is looking fitter and all the work is paying off. The lab, so before she started uh, training in the lab, she had never been on a trainer for longer than an hour and 30 minutes. She has been feeling stronger. She is seeing prog progress. And in fact, we chatted at the beginning of this lab and performance, and we increased her FTP manually, um, that she was uh, able to do the workouts and more. So that has been working out great for her as well. She's got the, the perfect amount of challenge there for the workouts that we're doing. Keep up the great work, and thanks for your contributions to uh, the forum. Absolutely. So really great highlights, um, you know, from the uh, from the contributions of lab writers and Lindsay, you've definitely um, put some time in. She had some good comments about um, some of her experience in the pool as well. Um, so just getting interactive and jumping in. I know a lot of times you can be on the forum and it can fe feel very overwhelming. Um, I think uh, we've had some um, 
post about how you can consume just smaller portions of it, maybe the parts that um, are coming through nutrition or maybe the parts just in the lab. It can just feel like so many people are talking about so many different things. So just maybe focus on a portion of it. Um, you know, grasp onto one of the topics and go ahead and throw your two cents in. We've got a lot of lab writers. We've got a lot of people that are reading the post and we can see that on the backside. We still see you reading the post. So we want this interaction to happen. So go ahead and throw something up. It's a safe place. It's a place that just has the same people that are doing the same workouts um, week in and week out. So they are going through the same thing. So if you're thinking it and you have a question, most likely someone else out there also does. So, okay, so as we move to On the Horizon for next week, um, we're getting back to work. We are um, going to be doing some SST-focused work with some VO2 um, kind of efforts mixed in uh, at the beginning and the end of each of those intervals, so it will be very, very interesting. In the group workout module in Zwift, um, we have uh, um, um, the same... Uh, leaders this week. We've got Mitch on Tuesdays at 5.30 Eastern doing uh, the Taj Mahal workout. We have Stefan doing over-unders 646 on Thursday at 5.15 Eastern. We've got Taya's hot spot at noon doing Taj Mahal. Um, all the riders, um, all of the coaches are getting actually really good traction and good return riders. So we're very excited and we hope that you guys are taking um, part in this if this is an available time slot for you. Um, and again, if there isn't, um, we could also start to try to motivate people to kind of get together at other times um, to be able to get these workouts done as well. And don't forget on Thursdays and Sundays, um, ODZ does run Zone 2 um, workouts throughout the day as well. So if you're looking into that, definitely check out um, the Team ODZ calendar at teamodz.com for that. Um, was there anything, any other comments from the coaches that we wanted to wrap up? We covered a whole lot of topics today. So if there's anything we want to throw in, let's throw that in now. Oh, I think the conversation was great today. We had uh, we covered a lot. Uh, absolutely. So from um, the work that we're doing this week, covering going over how we should be fueling our um, sprints versus strength workouts, making sure that we're knowing what um, zones that we're looking at um, when we're working out, and understanding the purpose of each of those workouts, whether it be low cadence and kind of what you're really focusing on, or that really high-end sprint, it's very, very important. And then really understanding um, kind of all of the, the, the food and um, the recovery that we're trying to get is not only focused within the hour of before and after a workout, but in fact, all throughout the week is super important. And then going all the way across to making sure that we're getting that swim technique in and getting everything um, kind of focused in and what you're trying to focus in. The same way we focus our um, workouts on the bike on different portions of the pedal stroke, let's say, um, we also need to make sure that we're focusing during our, the swim technique, as um, Ian mentioned today. And then just making sure that we stay motivated and give the gratitude to ourselves for the fitness and for the opportunity that we have to do what we do. And so with that, a quick summary of what we had um, over here in the um, Coach's Corner today, I want to say thank you for joining us. And if you want to get this in your email box or in your podcast app, search for The Endurance Lab in your podcast app. Click subscribe in the YouTube channel, um, and you'll be able to get this fresh every single week, as well as all our other content, whether it be chat and chill, what's up with power, or in the feed zone, um, as well as Coach's Corner. So from the coaches here to you guys in the lab, we want to thank you for joining us. Um, and you've had a great recovery week, and let's get back to work. And we will see you next week in the Coach's Corner. Thanks again. Have a great week.